0: The discrimination, the occupation, the oppression is persistent, relentless. It's a situation very much like black lives matter in the United States and Palestinian lives matter in Israel-Palestine. More and more American Jews, especially younger ones, are recognizing that there's a dissonance, a cognitive dissonance between what's going on
1: there and Jewish values. This is Podcasting with John Metaxas. Hello and welcome to the latest in our Podcasting with lawyer series. Today's podcast is titled, From Zionism to Palestinian Advocacy, One Lawyer's Journey. And my guest today is Robert Herbst. He's a New York attorney and someone I had the privilege of working with for a short period of time. Bob, thanks for joining us today.
0: It's my pleasure.
1: Now, before we get to our conversation, I'd like to tell our listeners a little bit about your impressive background, Bob's been trying civil and criminal cases to juries for almost 40 years now. He's been a federal prosecutor in Chicago and Philadelphia, where he handled economic crime and corruption cases. He was executive assistant district attorney in Brooklyn and as head of the investigative bureaus, he supervised prosecutions of white-collar crime and corruption. And since 1983, he's been in private practice doing civil litigation and criminal defense. Bob has handled cases in civil rights, employment, housing discrimination, class actions. He's represented victims of police misconduct, sexual harassment, and consumer and securities fraud. He's also represented whistleblowers. Bob is a graduate of Princeton and of Yale Law School. He's taught trial practice. He's been selected as a New York super lawyer and has served on many bar association boards and committees. And on top of all that, Bob, uh, you've been an active private pilot for more than 35 years. Quite a career you've had.
0: Well... When you put it that way, <laughs>
1: I, rarely, I rarely think of it that way, but I
0: appreciate it.
1: All right. The, the one thing that jumps out from reading your resume is that you've brought a great deal of social consciousness to your law practice. That's got to be a very important part of who you are.
0: Well, uh, it is. Uh, I went to law school at a time where, uh, where we thought that we could use the law and litigation to make social change. It uh, hasn't quite turned out that way, but I've uh, been involved in, in civil rights and human rights work uh, pretty much my entire career after getting out of prosecution.
1: And, and today we're going to talk about a personal journey that you've made. Uh, to Is it fair to call you an advocate for Palestinian rights?
0: That is fair.
1: All right. Uh, let's start with what, in your view, is much of the world missing about the situation between Israel and and the Palestinians today?
0: Well, I think the the primary thing that's missing from the conversation is an understanding of the Palestinian experience uh, living uh, in Israel, Palestine, uh, the Holy Land. Um, When you go there, uh, you see that the... um, that the discrimination, the occupation, the oppression is persistent, relentless, um, and and people uh, people don't realize it because the Palestinian narrative uh, has is not gotten uh, the recognition has not really entered the conversation until until uh, relatively recently and. Um, and it needs it needs to be so that people can understand it. It's uh, it's a situation, very much like uh, like Black Lives Matter in the United States, uh, and Palestinian lives matter in Israel Palestine.
1: Now, how did you come to this viewpoint? Uh, did you always have it, and and how did that transformation happen? Well, um,
0: you know, I come. Uh, I mean, I. I, I grew up in a in a liberal Jewish family. I was bar uh, bar mitzvahed. Uh, my mother had, was a was a, a liberal. Uh, she was very interested in civil rights, um, but she also had a lot of uh, survivor's guilt uh, from the fact that she survived the Holocaust when so many others didn't. And Israel was a was an important uh, part of her, of her Judaism, uh, and it was of mine as well. Um, I went to Israel for the first time in 1969. Um, it was two years after the 1967 war. It was a time of great uh, fervor uh, uh, in Israel. There was a, a, a you know, tremendous nationalist spirit there. Um, I joined a, a synagogue when I came back to New York, um, uh, on the Upper West side of Manhattan it was a liberal conservative synagogue. And I, I was co-chair of the social action committee at that synagogue and later served on the, on the board and the executive uh, committee of the, of the synagogue. Um, and what really happened for me, I mean, I always knew um, that there was a significant problem there with the treatment of Palestinians by uh, Israel, and that the United States was <clears throat> almost alone across the world, the primary supporter of Israel and Israeli policy with respect to the Palestinians and i was always disturbed about it but uh, i kept silent and my criticism of it stayed within the tribe so to speak and in 2014 after operation protective edge where israel really laid waste to gaza it was the third uh, war in gaza in in since 2009 really um but but more than two thousand uh, people were killed. More than five hundred children, ten thousand maimed. Um, it, 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 you know, a hundred thousand buildings destroyed. I mean, it was it was it was so brutal that I decided I couldn't really stay silent anymore. So I joined uh, an organization called Jewish Voice for Peace. And I started uh, reading more about the situation there. I, I went back in May of 2017, spent a couple of weeks in West Jerusalem, East Jerusalem, uh, and uh, all over the West Bank to see the situation for myself. And um, when I began to, to do some writing, and, uh, and blogging on a, a website called net, which I recommend to everybody that they read. Um, There's a lot of information on it with respect to Israel-Palestine. <clears throat> and, uh, and that's sort of uh, the journey that, that I've made.
1: Do you think being Jewish you have perhaps more right to hold these views than somebody who's not Jewish? Or how do you feel about that?
0: Uh, I think the short answer is no. I think that everybody, Jewish, uh, Christian, uh, atheist, agnostic, has to take a look for themselves as to what's going on there, and they have uh, every right to speak out if they're upset about about the violation of human rights and human dignity that is uh, endemic over there. And I say that... Uh, because I have, I have uh, spoken in Christian churches. I also participated uh, at the General Senate of the United Church of Christ uh, a few years ago where they passed a uh, boycott, divestment, and sanctions resolution. Um, the Christian churches up until a few years uh, ago have been silent about what's been happening over there. And in fact, they know what's been happening over there because the, 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 the Christian churches have always been in the Holy Land. The, popu- the Christian population of the Holy Land has, has, uh, has decreased from 11% to less than 1% over the years. And Christians uh, have remained silent in the United States for two fundamental reasons. And I'm talking about non fundamentalist Christians who are not interested in the ingathering of Jews so that so that the rapture may come. The silence uh results from one guilt about Christian anti-Semitism and the fear of being accused of being anti Semitic when they criticize Israeli policy. And also, the desire not to offend their Jewish brothers and sisters. And that, that desire not to offend comes on two levels, from laity to laity, that is, ordinary uh, Jews and Christians as they relate in interfaith uh, activities, but also clergy to clergy. Um, and in fact, um, what I've encouraged Christians to do is Speak out and speak truth to power um, if they're concerned about uh, about what has happened over there and American policy in supporting the oppression there. So uh, Jews, of course, have a have a, a similar problem, and that is that someone who criticizes because Israel is such a central part of Judaism for most American Jews. Um, those of us who have criticized um, Israeli policy uh, are liable to be accused of anti-Semitism ourselves or being a self-hating Jew. Um, and, but that's, that, as, the, as the, the narrative, the Palestinian narrative um, becomes more acceptable, and it is becoming more acceptable, there are signs both in the political system and among journalists, uh, mainstream journalists now, that criticism of Israel is um, is now within the mainstream, coming within the mainstream. But uh, so I think um, more and more American Jews, especially younger ones, are recognizing that the, the there's a dissonance, a cognitive dissonance between what's going on there, and Jewish values, Jewish religious, ethical, and moral values.
1: Well, there's so much in that answer (laughs) (laughs) to to respond to. Uh, uh, Regarding the BDS movement, I I teach at a local college, and I had a student who wrote a paper for me uh, just last year that uh, advocating for BDS is anti-Semitic. Uh, and this was a young person, and and that is that is a view out there. Uh, I mean, you've 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 already said you don't you don't subscribe to that, but uh, but this whole issue is tied into that.
0: Yes, it is. Yes, it is, and. And I, th- I think it is true that that BDS uh, tends to be equated with uh, with anti-Semitism. What it what it is, and BDS arose, uh, uh, by the way, um, in 2005 when the, the, the when Palestinian civil society, uh, hundreds of Palestinian organizations, got together. And decided that nonviolent protest was a more appropriate form of, of resistance than violent uh, uh, resistance or violent protest. Um, and they asked the the world um, to boycott the vest and advocate for sanctions on Israeli policy. And one of the reasons that I support it. Is that I don't think Israel can reform itself. Uh, Israel, Israeli politics, Israeli society has become more conservative, more right-wing. Uh, there are hundreds of thousands of settlers in the in the occupied territories who don't want to leave, um, and. So, like South Africa, which would not have changed absent uh, outside pressure from the rest of the world, um, Israeli policy won't change either, and Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions is a nonviolent movement designed to help Israel recover its Jewish values.
1: I'll never forget, I, I, had a, uh, I went to a New York City public school. I was in third grade in 1967. I was nine years old, and uh, our teacher at that time, a Mrs. Canbar, she had a, a young lady, she had just gotten married, her maiden name had been Miss Lindenbaum. She told us that Israel was going to give back the land that they took in the war because Israel was a good country. And, you know, we all remember certain things that our teachers tell us, and for some reason, I never forgot that, And years later, when I first heard the phrase, land for peace, I said to myself, that's what she was talking about back in in 1967. What do you think of that land for peace concept? Do you believe it's dead? Do you believe the two-state solution idea is dead? Well, that that
0: certainly was the idea. And for many years, I uh, hoped that a two-state solution uh, uh, might be the answer and might be acceptable. To Israelis, what I have found um, in my studies and in my inquiries uh, when I was over there is that it's no longer acceptable uh, to the majority of, of Israelis, and certainly not to the politicians that that run that run the country. Um, and you know, how are uh, hundreds of thousands of settlers, um, almost 100,000 of which are there for religious fundamentalist re- uh, reasons, how are they going to be uprooted from uh, Palestinian land, land allocated for the Palestinian state? Plus, the the... the, the the uh, the West Bank is is now crisscrossed by roads and walls in a way that makes uh, a contiguous um, viable Palestinian state uh, almost an impossibility anymore. So the 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 really only two options for Israel one is to 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 remain a state which privileges Jews in rights, resources, and the right to live in dignity, and which uh, keeps underfoot uh, the Palestinians in a way that has become increasingly more like and more reminiscent of of apartheid in South Africa. That's 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 the status quo. Uh, and the other possibility, the other option is to create a state, and there are many different formulations that are possible, uh, federation, um, uh, and, and so forth. I don't want to get too too technical about this at this point, but where every citizen of the of the country, has equal rights and the right to an equal education, equal resources, um, and no longer has to, has to live under occupation and no longer has to be subject to the more than 50 uh, laws in Israel that discriminate in a systematic way against uh, non-Jews. And that includes the latest, um, uh, really, disaster which is the the nation-state law uh, that provides for self-determination in the Holy Land only for Jews.
1: Now, one answer to all that might be uh, you've got Hamas digging tunnels under the border with Gaza, you've got Hezbollah digging their own tunnels with the purpose of attacking and killing Jewish-Israeli citizens. That uh, Israel's right to exist has not been acknowledged. Uh, how can Israel seek peace until this happens? That, that's one answer to what you've been talking about. What do you say to that?
0: Well, I say that, that most Palestinians want what everybody else wants, which is uh, to live in peace. The Palestinians that I met up and down the West Bank uh, were, uh, were entirely dedicated uh, to nothing but that, and rejected violence. Um, you know, there is still uh, a number of people, uh, who, who want to pursue a violent resistance to, to what is unlawful, an unlawful system uh, of subjugation over there. I don't support it. Um, but... When you look at the who's actually being killed and wounded and maimed uh, over there, uh, there is no no question about the fact that the tunnels have been ineffective the few missiles that have gone over the caught by the iron dome been unaffected and i don 't think israel I, don't, I think Israel is now more concerned about the non-violent resistance that's building, then the violence that, that uh, it, it, they constantly talk about as a way to suggest that it's the other side that doesn't really want a, a peaceful solution. So I think if, uh, if Israel, which, you know, has all of the power and all of the might and the bigger gun, um were to uh, decide that and to make clear that they're willing to lift the iron fist that uh, they would find people on the other side to uh, to work with
1: you mentioned earlier the um percentage of uh, christians living in palestinian territories is uh, dwindling right now what kind of uh, Palestinian society, in your view, um, ends up being created? I mean, we're seeing traditionally Christian cities like Bethlehem becoming Islamicized. Uh, is, there, is that society that's being built up now going to be one that uh, allows even for minority rights? And in that context, I would say the minority would be the Christians in a Palestinian context, although perhaps and I'm, and I'm gathering they identify more with their Palestinian Muslim brothers and sisters than they do with the Israelis.
0: Well, I think that's right. And, um, it, you know, in fact, uh, virtually all Palestinians now are, are Muslim uh, because the Christian population, uh, which had most of the resources, um, have been able to, to leave um and but within the holy land um the majority right now uh, it's about fifty fifty you know but but in the kind of of state that I'm imagining and that I think we all have to imagine um the Jews. Uh, are going to exercise a, uh, you know a uh, a significant amount of power they're going be uh, they're going to provide for security um, and the question is whether Palestinians of any religious stripe are going to be permitted to live with a full panoply of of rights, resources, and dignity
1: right. I, I you no know, I don't think the Christians of of the Holy Land and of of the Palestinian areas would necessarily agree that they're that they're all gone and I don't think that's what, necessarily what you were saying.
0: No, I wasn't.
1: And uh there are um there are movements um, to uh try to uh, preserve the church's place um in in the Holy Land and especially in Jerusalem there've been a uh, movement recently by uh some right-wing politicians to, uh, in effect, expropriate the church properties in Jerusalem. Something which actually Netanyahu stepped in and and kind of nipped in the bud. So, it's not even so clear that uh, that you know these are two-sided issues. These are multifaceted issues. I
0: don't see how Christians can leave the Holy Land. <laughs> uh, but and, and one of the things that that might well happen if. Uh, there were a solution, you know, a, a good long-term solution to what people call the conflict, uh, is that uh, Christian Palestinians uh, are going to return, and that brings up the question of the right of return, which is guaranteed by international law and has always been a, a significant sticking point, uh, with you know from the Israeli side, and. Also, a, a critically important uh, issue on the Palestinian side, and uh, and so that's that's going to have to be resolved. And I think if there if there is to be, uh, you know, an an end to the to the conflict over a number of years, um, is, Israel should want to encourage the return of Palestinians, because after all, Jerusalem is the city of the three, uh, three great monotheistic religions, and uh, it should want to have everybody there.
1: So I don't presume we're going to solve the problem in this podcast, and that's not really what the podcast is about. It's really about telling your personal story. So... Instead of asking you where things are gonna go in Israel, let me ask, uh, where is Bob Herbst going with all of this?
0: Well, you know, Bob Herbst is now 71 years old. <laughs> so, um, you know, I don't think, I, I no longer think that's the important, the important question. But, you know, I'm, I'm gonna continue to, to work for the recognition particularly in the United States, uh, because the United States really controls what what happens uh, over over there. Uh, we facilitate, we finance, we support Israeli policies. And I'm going to keep pushing for, for the recognition of, uh, of the Palestinian uh, narrative about, about what has transpired there what it's like to live under occupation and i'm going to keep advocating for a solution in which palestinians can can live in dignity and with a full set of rights
1: all right thank you bob Uh, thanks very much for joining us today my
0: pleasure